They say that old habits die hard, and they're right. Even breaking the smallest bad habit can be grueling. So what happens if that habit is something we've learned as a defense mechanism, like violence or anger? How do we break a habit that, due to our circumstances, is instilled into who we are? That's exactly what the man in today's episode was asking. Let's dive in and find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a man whose time in Vietnam seared angry and violent tendencies into his heart. Those tendencies flared up. People around him got hurt. But we'll see just who was capable of breaking this nasty habit in today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we're going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. Part two of the true story of Raul Reese. Cases. What, does she really think she can leave me? She's got another thing coming. Yes, she does. Ain't no way my kids will be calling some other man daddy. Ain't no way. I learned in Vietnam, killing ain't so tough. We're all gonna go together. The man in our story was shocked by the depths of darkness he'd find himself in. Based on his book, From Fury to Freedom, we bring you part two of the true story of Raul Reese, right now on Unshackled. What would cause a man to plot the death of his wife and sons? I had harbored so much hate in my heart from such an early age, it was hard to tell. Growing up with a father who abused my mother and drank her money away had left me hankering for a fight, anywhere I could find one. I ended up joining the Marines in lieu of serving time behind bars for assault. At the time, I considered it a smooth move, believing I'd be stationed in Hawaii as other friends had been. But I was sent to Vietnam, which was nothing less than a death sentence. Keep these close and stay together. Who's running point? Reese! Yes, sir. Your point, man. Keep 50 to 100 yards ahead of us. You're gonna draw enemy fire and spot booby traps before they blow us all up. Yes, sir. My inner rage had finally been given license to kill, and it was easy to do. Aware I was protecting the platoon, death carried no fear with me. If I died, I died, no big deal. I had become a cold killer, but the hardness in my heart couldn't dull all my senses, as I'd come to see far too many times. I'll take point. No, Silver, I can. Hey, it'll be challenging sweeping this whole village. I know, but having two months left to serve is too much of a risk. I'll be careful. You sure? Yeah. Stay close. I'll cross this ditch first. <gasps> Wait! Many men were lost and mutilated. 
It deepened the fury inside of me because now I was out for vengeance. Now the enemy had to pay for killing and blowing my friends to shreds. I hated the war and doubted the government officials so far removed from the action. It all seemed so senseless. I had barely escaped death, but since I had, I was sent right back out to Walk Point again. And this time, I had to train the new guy. Morning, Tex. Hey there, Reese. Heard you walking point with me today. Yep. Someone drew the short end of the stick for me. <laughs> you and me both. What's first? I'll show you how to check the ground for deadly tripwires, and then teach you how to spot false floors. All right. We'll go over the east side of the village, but it'll be most dangerous tonight when our ambush is set, because they'll have new booby traps set. Uh-huh. And they're going to be a lot harder to see then. They will be. But we'll go slow and find them. That night, I saw the spark from a trip line that tried to push Tex out of the way. But it was too late. The smoke was clearing when the rest of our platoon reached us, and immediately we were engulfed in gunfire. Wounded, I forced myself up and fired back, but my head started swimming. It was the last thing I remembered. Where, 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 where am I? You're on the USS Sanctuary. Why? There was some kind of explosion. Oh, that's right. The surgeon removed shrapnel from your back and leg, but couldn't get all of it. I see. Rest now. You need your strength. I'll be back to check on you. On that boat, I was stricken with horror seeing all of the 18, 19, and 20-year-old boys laid row upon row, dismembered and disfigured, their lives ruined. I was a novelty since my face hadn't been burned off and my arms and legs were still attached. I wasn't maimed for life. It was then I became determined. No one would have the opportunity to mutilate me again. No more walking point. No more war games. I'm going home, I announced to the blank-faced paraplegic next to me. But the Marine Corps had other ideas. Close? Seems you're getting out of here. Really? You're being airlifted this afternoon. So we'll be taken to another ship and transported back to the States? Some will, but not you. What do you mean? You're reporting back to active duty. They're sending me back to the lines? You've been declared fit for duty. Fit for duty? How? I'm still limping. It's hard to move and they're gonna what? Put me back out there until my appendages are blown off or I'm killed? I'm sorry. I'm not the one who makes the calls. I can't... I can't believe it! Well, maybe you can take your concerns to your platoon leader when you get back. Something shifted in me while in the hospital. My passion for killing was gone. Despite my vehement objections, I was not only put on the front lines, but assigned to walk point again. But now my paranoia and the dangers outweighed the excitement and adventure. After 11 months, I grew more willful and belligerent. Gear up, Reese. Wait! You know, if I keep going out there, I'll never make it home alive. What are you going to do about it? I'm not going back out. You'll do what you're told. Boy, am I always walking point. Why don't you do it? We're short of men and you got experience. Listen, man. I've had enough of this. I'm not going back out, you understand? All right, all right, calm down. I'm not going to calm down. You go tell the captain to get me out of here. Oh, no doubt you'll be talking to him about this. 
A few minutes later, I was instructed to report to the captain's hooch. I grabbed my M16 rifle and took it with me, not caring what impressions I made. That choice had more repercussions than I ever expected. Reese, I understand you got a problem. No, you've got the problem. If you send me out there one more time, someone's gonna get hurt and it won't be the Viet Cong. You'll do what you're told, Lance Corporal. You tell me one more time to go out there, I'm gonna kill you. Reese, you don't tell the United States Marine Corps what to do. I will kill you. I understand. Here are some orders. Tomorrow I want you to go to Da Nang and see a psychiatrist. Great. Now you're thinking. The next day, I also threatened the life of the psychiatrist the captain had referred me to. The psychiatrist handed me a slip of paper, my ticket out of Vietnam, but I was far from being home free. Military escorts slapped handcuffs on me and committed me to a mental institution where there was a group therapy for Marines suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. With all the questioning and trying to get me to talk, I refused, which was held against me as evidence. Reese, I want to talk to you. Sure, Doc. I wrote to the Marine Corps headquarters. Oh, yeah? To tell them my conclusions. Oh, really? Want to tell me those conclusions? You're a phony. You staged this whole thing. Staged what? The entire hate angle. You fabricated your insanity in order to get out of the service. I don't know what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You haven't fooled me. I've recommended a dishonorable discharge. You're to report to Camp Pendleton until the papers are processed. At Camp Pendleton, I was kept apart from the main population. And instead of marching and playing war games, I was instructed to clean barracks and do other menial tasks. I did as little as I could and always had someone there watching me. But it didn't keep me from slipping the guard dog 20 bucks to look the other way as I snuck out to spend Friday nights with Sharon. <laughs> Baby, what's the matter? Raul, I... <laughs> what's wrong? Tell me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have a baby. Really? That's great. I'm pregnant, Raul. You got me pregnant. What wonderful news. <laughs> Why are you crying, baby? We just got married. Will you marry me, Sharon? Raul, you, you don't have to marry me. I'll understand. Don't feel you have to do it just because I'm pregnant. Are you crazy? I want to marry you. I just hope the Lord can turn it out all right. We shouldn't have. Of course. It will be all right. We'll make it all right. Do your folks know? No. It would break their hearts. Well, don't worry. I'll get leave and we'll get married in a few weeks. And that was exactly what we did. Sharon found us a little apartment in Anaheim where she hung curtains and arranged furniture and prepared a nursery for our first child. When she inquired why I always got home so late from Camp Pendleton, I told her they released the servicemen at sundown. She had no idea I was buying my way out. And what a surprise it was to finally receive discharge papers that said I had been honorably discharged. Life was going great. A little too good. Which made it all the harder when it all came crumbling down. Folks, we'll get back to Raul's story in just a moment. But first, 
I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, let's get back to Raul's story. Hey, Raul, I thought you might like to share a cold one. Dad, you can't bring a six-pack into my house. What? You heard me. You can't bring beer into my house. Well, look at that. My own son won't let me into his home. What's the matter? You think you're too good for me? I can drink anywhere I want. Anywhere but here, Dad. This is my house. I pay the rent. Take your booze and go. Oh, I get it. That little woman you've married has you tied to her apron. She's so religious and you're not man enough to stand up to her, hmm? You keep sharing out of this. If you ever say or do anything to hurt her, I'll kill you. The impulse for rage and violence still simmered underneath. But I did not want my home to be anything like my house growing up. I tried to do everything I could for it to be different, even if it meant hostile interactions with my father. But I was surprised by a new emotion that came the night we welcomed little Raul Jr. into the world. First time, I helped my little boy. A newfound tenderness formed within my heart. An appreciation of life I hadn't known before. Still, I would be haunted by the memories of my previous life in the military. Ah! I'll kill you! I'll show you dead! Ah! Come on! Show yourself! Raul! Raul, wake up, honey. I'm sorry, son. Breathe, Raul, breathe. It's okay. And there's nothing to hurt you. I was doing my job. I know. Killing was necessary. Why? Why can I forget? Six months later, I was working two jobs, taking college and kung fu classes, when Sharon told me we were expecting another baby. We decided to move back to our old neighborhood where our parents would be able to help. It seemed like a great idea, but once we were settled, I fell back in with the same buddies I had gotten into so much trouble with in high school. And I was avoiding Sharon, thinking what she didn't know couldn't hurt her. Boy, was I wrong. Sharon? Where have you been? Out with the guys. It's no big deal, baby. It's two in the morning. Are you keeping tabs on me? You kissed me goodbye and said you had a couple errands to run. Well, plans changed. And... Wait. You smell like alcohol. 
So I joined the guys for a round. Seems like more than a round. Why didn't you go to bed? Because I was scared and worried and I didn't know what happened to you. Well, it's late. I'm going to bed. What, you're just going to brush me off just like that? Sharon, you just don't get it. What don't I get? Come back here. Hey! <gasps> you shoved me? You need to back off. With that shove and Sharon seven months pregnant, she barely stood on her feet. Little did I know then that that heartless move opened the door and I found it easier to control her by yanking her or shoving her against the wall. And in a sick way, I was proud of myself for not letting her invade my privacy and for the fact that I hadn't yet beaten her with a belt. My measuring stick was my father and his drunken behavior wasn't too hard to beat. But as the years passed, the abuse didn't end with Sharon. And even owning my own successful kung fu studio didn't soften my fury. I don't care if you go to your stupid church. I got lessons to teach at the studio. That's fine. I'll take the boys myself. Like I do every Sunday. Well, someone has to pay for all this. I don't hear you complain about how nice of a house you live in. Okay, Raul. <coughs> hey! Raul, watch where you're going! You watch where you're going! Well, you little... Ah, put me down! Ah, oh, ah. I didn't hurt you. What? What's wrong? What happened? It hurts. Did you fall? Dad threw me. What? I'm sure he didn't mean to. He's just in a hurry this morning. You know, he, he gets really busy. As I drove away, I felt vaguely sorry I had lost my temper with my son. He was a good little guy. I smiled knowing I taught him a lesson, and now at least he'd know to stay out of my way. At the studio, a pretty woman gave me her number and I planned on meeting up with her. Pridefully, I was feeling good about myself until I got home again. Seeing Sharon's packed bag sent me over the edge and I waited with my gun for her return. No one was leaving. We'd all die together. The forecast, mostly sunny skies. Fighting broke out overnight between rival... What is taking her so long? <sighs> Not her. This is a sign of real love. In order to show love, God gave something special to him. Something of which there could be no replacement. His only begotten son. What is this? The purpose of that gift was so you might be able to fellowship with God. That you could experience his love. That you could come to know that love yourself and be forgiven and have a relationship with the one true living God. Not just now, but forever. You see, God has offered us eternal life through this gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins. He took your guilt upon himself. He took your punishment, dying for all the wrong you've ever done in your life. This sounds too good to be true. Surely this guy doesn't believe God can forgive all my stuff. You see, God is perfect. And in his holiness, he doesn't have anything to do with sinners. But he loves us so much, he himself took the penalty for all the sins in all our lives. Could this be true? God is reaching out to you. He wants you to know that in spite of what you may be, or in spite of what you may have done, you may have messed up your life completely. But God still loves you. Seek his forgiveness and receive his free gift of salvation. 
And you do that by confessing your sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I never understood this before. You're not beyond God's love. He's reaching out to you now. I encourage you to receive God's love today. God's forgiveness is what I need. He can bear the burden of my violent, bitter past. Ask Jesus right now. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I'm sorry I'm a sinner and broken your laws. <laughs> oh God, I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and cleanse me. Lord, please come in. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me from my own sinfulness. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I ran to the church to share with Sharon the good news, but couldn't spot her in the congregation. However, the pastor was inviting those willing to come to the altar and give their lives to Jesus, and it was perfect timing for me. So many people were happy for my decision, and I drove home in bliss knowing Sharon would be the most appreciative. Sharon? Honey, come on, let me in. Come on, I won't hurt you or the kids, I promise. Honey, let me in. You're not going to believe this, I've been born again. Sharon, let me in. I mean it, we gotta talk, come on. Raul. Baby, listen, I heard this preacher on TV. And what he said about Jesus' sacrifice and taking the place for our sins, it makes sense to me now. I don't believe you. No, really. God has saved me. I'm forgiven. <laughs> Isn't that what you've always wanted? A Christian husband? It's taken me all this time to grow hard enough inside to give up my convictions about divorce so I could finally leave you. And now you're claiming this? It's true. Well... I'm looking forward to starting my life over again. Without you. But we will start over. We'll see. I was redeemed. Transformed that night. And Jesus' light radiated across my life. I became a completely different husband and father. I fell in love with the Lord and gave up Kung Fu so I could minister and witness to those around me. My parents and other family members came to know the Lord as Savior as well. And if the Lord can change a violent, angry, and prideful man like me, He can do the same for you. For more than 45 years, Raul Reese has pastored and reached multitudes through Somebody Loves You Ministries. Every day, he's grateful that God transformed an angry kung fu master to a shepherd of his people. Listening friend, Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Do you need a life that's refreshed, made new? If you desire to cast off your burdens 
and have a relationship with Jesus Christ as Raul does, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast, and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the new prize for this sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is Lamentations 5.21. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. This plaque is, well, beautiful. The deep brown bark complements the light brown rings where this plaque is written. It's also carved into almost the shape of a heart. If you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for a picture. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, your phone number, and email. The deadline to enter the drawing will be June 3rd, and we will announce the winner on June 19th. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Anna? Yes, Mom? Come in here so we can have one of our little chats. While Anna Wyatt's mother lost her hold on reality... I found the perfect apartment for us, and I told your father it was the one I wanted. And do you know what he said? What? We can't afford it. He truly only cares about himself. Her father tried his best to hold the family together without losing faith in God. I just saw you bend down and hug and kiss Mom on the couch. Why do you do it, Dad? I wouldn't be able to love her if I didn't ask God to fill me with His love. So I overlook the way she treats me and focus on still loving her as God would have me. But it would test Anna's faith when all seemed lost. Mom? Anna, she's not here. She left us. Don't miss the true story of Anna Wyatt, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in part two of the true story of Raoul Reese were Howard Friedland, Demetrius Troy, Mark Forrest, Kurt Nabig, Natalie Berg, and Amanda Markeski. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Holly Krajewski. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kylie Hammond. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, 
unless our Lord returns before then. I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.